Welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 555. My name is Minter Dial, and I'm your host for this podcast, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information or check out other shows on their network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. So this week's interview I'm excited to bring to you is with James Kerr. James is the author of the best-selling book, Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. And it's a great book. It contains 15 remarkable lessons in leadership. James is also an international speaker and high-performance consultant based in England. In this conversation with James, we discuss why he wrote this book about the All Blacks, what he learned through writing the book, the values of rugby, the tangible applications of leadership for business executives, how values create value, why knowing yourself is vital, and the power of character and storytelling. A wonderful and wide-ranging conversation. You'll find all the show notes on MinterDial.com. And if you have a moment, go over and drop in your rating and review of the show. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show. James Kerr, I am... Just thrilled to have you on to talk about this marvelous book, Legacy. I mean, just just the name Legacy is already brilliant because it's such a challenge for most of us to figure out what is our own legacy, much less the legacy of a company or the legacy of a team. Um, James, how would you like to describe yourself? Who is James Kerr? The existential question. Um, uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I am a coach, uh, I am a sometimes speaker, uh, and I am a consultant, and I, I work around the, the nexus, really, of culture, leadership, and mindset, and high performance. Um, really, how do we create a space around ourselves in which we can most consistently perform to our best, whatever our definition of best might be? The high performance notion. Sorry, say again, sorry the high performance notion yeah well the zone of high performance because i think you know high performance you know traditionally you know traditionally is you know elite exceptional win um but of course high performance is many different things for many different people and uh it can be to thrive you know in our living and in our life but it can be to create um so it's sort of why I put whatever the caveat, whatever that might mean for you, because I think it can be too easily niched into the the win at all costs, you know, um, uh, the hundredths, the margins. Now that's an important aspect for for many, uh, but there are many different many different definitions of what high performance means, and I think defining that is part of the work. You know, the the the, the know thyself part is part of the work. Mm. sort of like defining success well yeah defining life itself maybe you know you know what what is this thing and and i think you know there's an old kind of cliche you know don't don't search for the meaning of life search for the for a life of meaning Mm. and you know it i i think often it's around it begins i think often with about deciding what is meaningful for for me for one for you for us and uh, and that 
often i think the 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 this is a dialogue you know the creation of that meaning or or the definition of that meaning i think it begins as a conversation begins as a dialogue you know an appreciative inquiry i'm i'm, I'm not sure you're familiar with that as a process sure, but in and and the idea of um appreciative inquiry you know the questions are generative mm. the conversation that we have is in fact uh creative it 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 creates the future you know the australian aboriginals have a have a lovely phrase bruce chatwin used in his book the songlines that that on walkabout they sing the world into existence um and i think very much we sing our worlds into existence um a phrase i like to use is the you know the story we tell ourselves becomes the story that others end up telling about us mm. you know our narrative proceeds uh, things we become the map of the territory we create and and in many ways the there is a sort of a reflexivity between that and so the having of the conversation around culture around meaning around mindset is is what develops it it, it is the generative force in a way and so i like to be the catalyst i guess for those conversations and go places to help people what i what i talk about sort of define design and deliver you know, define who we are, what we stand for, where we're going, why it matters. Um, then design, well, how do we capture that somehow? How do we create an environment, the standards and expectations, the rituals, the symbols, the reinforce the reinforcements? Uh, and then how do we deliver? Who do we have to be in order to become that thing that we want to become? Mm. Starts to become, I think, a, a big question. And if you look at leadership as not just leading a business or leading an organization, but really about leading a life, um, then then I think they're really important questions. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the joys for me of the work that I've done is that I, I wrote Legacy, the book you, you kindly shared at the beginning, um, thinking that it was really going to be for sports coaches and some business leaders. And, you know, one of the joys is that it is, been hugely embraced, for instance, with the, within the educational community, within the idea that, um, you know, how do you coach for character? How do you, hmm. how do you set emerging individuals, humans up for, a, a, as you say, a successful life? Well, that begins with that sort of process of self-definition, I think, of deciding what success looks like hmm. uh, and, and what is meaningful and, and why what we do matters. And, you know, they're kind of big questions, but they are very powerful questions, I think, in terms of being able to choose the right path, I think. And for me, that's hugely fulfilling is to, is to make a contribution to people in that conversation. Well, now you understand my first question, James. <laughs> Who are you? Um, is, is, isn't that the, the, the quest? Um, you, you, yeah. you said a lot of different things, um, and just starting with the this notion of finding yourself, that that quest. My observation has been that you, you said it starts with a dialogue or a conversation. I want to get back to that in a moment, but it feels like you need to do stuff first before being able to engage in the conversation or trying to find out who you are, because you haven't tested yourself. Otherwise, it's highly abstract. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes mm. it's, it seems like it's either because you've had a near-death experience or you've crossed 50 years old that mm. this topic mm. becomes so pregnantly poignant. Mm. Mm. 
I, I think absolutely. In, in fact, I think if you take Erickson, the psychologist, he believes that it's 40 years old and that we get we go through different life stages. And he, he, he really coined the idea of life stages and a midlife crisis was one of his. Um, and and that, that idea that, you know, and it's, it's almost the sort of seven ages of man from Shakespeare. You know, we start off as mewling, puking babies. But we kind of become the sort of the, the thrusting warrior. We just go out and express our whatever talents seem to be emerging in, in let's say, in our teens and in our 20s. And then in our 30s, maybe we consolidate it a little bit. And maybe around the time of our 40s, perhaps, for some earlier, for some later, for some never, you know, we maybe start to think about, well, what's this all about? You know, we've 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 been so busy proving ourselves or surviving, perhaps, you know, and finding a life um, that that we get to a point where we're going, OK, well, well, what what is really significant about what I'm doing? And you mentioned a near death experience, the same. You know, I don't I don't I think there are a lot of very self-actualized people who have had to deal with early loss and trauma, you know. Um, because it it forces you to go well. I'm a I'm a mortal being. I'm a fragile frond, you know, clinging on to a disappearing planet, you know. And so those questions I think become more profound, obviously, as you get older. Um, but I also think, particularly uh, uh, with a team or an organisation, they're very good questions to ask about. Um, because because the flip side of that I, those questions about what does it all mean and what my legacy is is about really about impact. You know what what's my work here? So it's very purposeful, and I think if you can find purpose in your pursuits, you know whether that's um, uh, whether that's professional or purposeful or creative, uh, then. It's a very powerful way to stand. I mean, a phrase I use in the book is, you know, higher performance, higher purpose delivers higher performance. The more you've got to play for, the more you do. Um, you know, if we do extraordinary things, and 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 on one level that comes down, you know, without sounding kind of too wishy-washy, it kind of comes down to to love. You know, how do we love what we do and choose what we do? Because love is about contribution. It's about being present. Um, so there are there's a huge number of strains and strands, I think, in that legacy question, if you like. But certainly there is a point in life that um you would be an unusual person if you didn't look around and go, well, what 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 are they gonna say about me? What's my eulogy gonna be? You know? And um what am I, you know, am I will I make my kids proud? You know. Um, all of those questions, I think, are, are, are very fundamental to the human experience. And and by embracing them and acknowledging them, I think we get to a deeper place in our own self-understanding and a more powerful place in being able to, in inverted commas, perform, if you like. So that's, that, that's the way I see it. I love it. I, I want to get back to some of those things, but... Um... This type of conversation, this type of topic in the boardroom or in business, in my experience, is entirely missing. Uh, I've mm. never been on a board where we've or, or in an executive 
committee meeting where we've talked about ethics or mm. a bigger purpose or what does our brand really mean? It's generally, you know, how are we doing for the month? What's our strategy for yeah. this year? How can we attract some yeah. new clients? What's the new innovation pipeline? Which are all, you know, totally reasonable questions. But the this notion. So going back to something you said originally, which is, you know, how do you get that conversation going in a in a in a in a business environment? What does it take? Does it take a an external James Kerr to stir the shit and say, hey guys, let's talk some some proper stuff? Or and or should it not be part of the daily, not the daily, but regular discussions amongst people? Because it's about the personal mm. elements right, at the end of the day. Mm. Mm. Um, well, you know, I probably have a slightly different experience of business because I am that external guy that gets called and to have these conversations. So I see a lot of it all the time. And I think there's a huge appetite for it, both on a personal leadership in the personal leadership zone if you like. Um, uh, but also, I think increasingly, let's call it in the brand area the, or the identity area, the who are we? Um, and there's increased kind of recognition, I think, of its importance. You know, we have emerging generations who come up who are much, much more purpose-led, have more kind of discretionary or more choice over who they align themselves with. Um who will call out brands and organizations that don't cut it ethically. Um, it And ethics can become an existential crisis for an organization or a government or a policing institution. or a, So these questions are big, really. And yeah, I think it's very usual that the, that the urgent is more important than the important. <laughs> Next, next month's figures or whatever it is um, and that self-interest seems more important than some collective contribution and all of that but but you know not always but often that the short-termism of that can lead to some real issues around uh, and organizationally and you know really if you look at many of the world's great brands let's talk on, on a brand level you know, you, you you talk about the apples of this world, for instance. You know, Steve Jobs was very purpose-driven. Putting a dent in the universe. You know, it was making it great. It was it, it it no no expense spared in terms of the design and the sense that this needs to be something that is sort of ergonomic in the sense that it fits in the human zone. Um, it it. It can be, can be, and often is a very, very powerful, you know, force for good. It attracts and retains talent. It creates genuine human value, which creates financial value. I think. I think financial value comes from values, really. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the generation of values. So, so I think they are important questions, and I think, I, I think often, however, they do get kind of relegated from the boardroom to the marketing suite. Or they with a little bit in the kind of the, the the HR department, you know, and and it sort of gets distributed around. But I think um, organisations that set out to do good tend to do well, mm -hmm. you know, because um, uh, and 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 so having those conversations at the highest levels, I think, become 
have become increasingly important and I think always were. Um, you know, you, you know, the other aspect I'd think about it is, you know, what's interesting is if the closer organizations, I, I work with some military units, and the and the closer that you get to the tip of the tip of the spear, if you like, the more they do talk about ethics, the more they do embrace the idea of purpose and an mm -hmm. ethos of 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 real cause, common cause, if you like. They do it not because it's nice to have. They do it because it stops them getting killed. You know, it's it's important. Um, it also comes with a lot of ancillary benefits. You know, deep human connection, preparedness to, to sacrifice for the cause. You know, to stay up late and order pizza on a on a in a business team level. Um, so I think those principles are transferable. They in in the the larger, more matrix corporate corporations where you know they're not the most ideal um, configuration of human effort necessarily. Um, within the teams within those groups, a lot of these you see a lot of these uh, principles appear. I think you know a desire for for connection, a desire for common cause. A kind of an unusual, you know, an uncommon but common language, mm. um, and all of the needs that people have within a, a small team environment: psychological safety, that, that my voice gets heard, I'm seen, I'm recognised, I'm valued, I'm taken care of if things kind of go wrong. I I get I have autonomy in my in my area. I have self efficacy. Um, all of these are really the fundamentals of a great culture and of which purpose is a part. You know, we no one likes to watch their life just waste away. Mm. You know, the, the, the reason people leave jobs, perfectly good jobs, is they're going nowhere. Or they have you a know? shitty boss. Well, often they have a shitty, usually it's the same thing, part of the same thing. Have a shitty boss, the circumstances aren't right for them. But, but fundamentally, their life is going nowhere. Am I going to put up with a shitty boss for, for much longer? So meaning matters, if you like. Purpose matters. Um, and uh, and so I think it's it's kind of the opportunity and the obligation of leaders at every level to create an environment that is in which people thrive, in which people are able to bring their best and be their best. Um, and purpose, uh, values, purpose, meaning, ethics, ethos, it's it's all part of that same bundle, I think, and I think ignoring it um, is 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 naive in the end. I think. Well, I I mean, that's why we're on the call together. I mean, I, I fundamentally fundamentally agree with you, and I want to pull in a couple of things which talked about the military. So I, I did a, a documentary film and a book on the Second World War. So I got a chance to talk to lots of people in the military and. The notion of band of brothers i played 18 years of yep. rugby and it's a non non-violent or at least you know non-mortal uh, type of sport generally speaking um generally it does, speaking. yeah it does create a, a phenomenon of band of brothers because of the hardships you, and sacrifices you must do for the common good or the team yep. Yep. yet you you talk about meaning or as john verveke talks about mattering um this there's a a widespread discussion about crisis of meaning or lack thereof. And I think in yeah. business, it's become very crass. It's, it's really more about survival and finance 
and, and shareholder profit than this notion of meaning. And maybe that's because the pendulum or the regard about meaning has become bigger. So you need to do more to accommodate it. But in general, I find there's a lack of energy. This is disengagement. And, and broadly speaking, uh, a misunderstanding of what purpose is and a, a misalignment between if purpose, my own personal purpose, with that corporate purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but I mean, I think those words, lack of energy, disengagement, you know, and a lack of understanding, um, uh, you, you know, that is the consequence of, of not making a strategic imperative, I think. And, and um, uh, you know, you know, there was a book written, you know, bullshit jobs, you know, the, the idea that actually my job is just doing nothing, you know, really, I'm, I'm just a cog in the machine. And now, you know, I guess a, a, the cynic might call those circumstances kind of a rounding error in the human factor. You know, it's just going to be the consequence of these big corporate machines. And anyway, I'm here for a short time, not a good time. I'm going to rotate and rotate out and and make my make my wedge and get out of there. Well, you know, whatever. But you know, my experience is that there are a lot of um, and 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 I think I think we can be you know when we say business, this is a very broad church here. You know, there are certainly some some let's call them cynical environments that are that are quite exploitative. They're very transactional. Um, um, that um, that uh, and and that um, you know will structurally will maybe keep on going. Will they survive and th will they thrive in the next hundred years? I would say probably not. You know, and then you've got the the more let's call them enlightened things. So, for instance, I'm I'm working with a with a with an investor in the U.S. on a consultancy basis who had a sort of Damascus moment on the road and went, actually, I want to make purposeful investments. I want to go into a space that I'm investing in organizations that make a difference for the future of the world. Now, boom, there's been a huge success out of that because, of course, they are investments that have real human value. You know, if you're selling sugar water and you're just counting counting units well you know those kind of companies spend a lot of money on advertising trying to make that work meaningful mm. if you're doing meaningful work maybe you don't have to spend so much on on the on the other stuff on and and on hr initiatives to kind of keep, keep people happy you know so I, I i think i think it becomes a question of of leadership and i think that it becomes a question of Again, without it being cynical, that that these kind of conversations about purpose and meaning and what we're doing and impact um, are, are almost a, a leadership lever. Um, without that sounding cynical, you know, it's 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 part of the it's 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 part of the armory or the or the quiver, very militaristic terms, but part of the quiver of great leadership. You know, great leaders are great storytellers. First and foremost, I think that the, the the best leaders are great storytellers. You know, I have a dream. You know, you know, the, 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 those stories resonate and they resonate throughout history, putting a dent in the universe, you know, jobs. Jobs, 
one of his, you know, he who has the best story wins. And why? Because people buy into it. They engage. They feel a sense of ownership. They feel emotional equity in that narrative, let's say. And a narrative and ethos and ethic are related. And and so, so sure, there's going to be massive pockets or oceans of corporate despair and despondency and lack of imagination. But, you know, great leaders are great storytellers. And part of this is about, you know, capturing hearts, you know. And, you know, if you take storytelling, you know, ethos, logos and pathos, you know, ethos, credibility, logos, it makes sense, makes good business sense. Pathos, it moves me. You know, it moves me. And you, you want to have environments that move people. Um, whether you're running a family or whether you're running a small team or whether you're running the world or an organization or running the world, what's the narrative? What's the story? And why does it matter? You know, we're coming up to election time in the UK. You know, it's two narratives, maybe three, but two. US is divided between two very, very different narratives. Um, these these stories matter. The purpose matters. The, 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 it's all part of the same bundle. I, I think it can be very naive to think it's the soft stuff. You know, the soft stuff is the hard stuff. The soft stuff is the hard stuff because it's hard. It's difficult to do, you know, and it's the hard stuff because, you know, it delivers hard results in the end. You know, when, when, when you galvanize a group, when their heart and soul is into an enterprise, that's an unstoppable force. You know, it doesn't matter the circumstances they come up, they'll figure out the answer, you know, and, and will prevail in some way. So so it's very easy to go purpose, purpose. What you know, what does that matter? We're just here for the for next year for, for next month's results. But guaranteed the 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 people saying that they've got their own narrative that drives and moves them and probably moves their immediate team. So it's very easy, I think, to be cynical. It's much, much more difficult and much, much more skilled to understand the nuance of the sort of the human heart, if you like, uh, and the importance of that. And, you know, there are, there are terms for a cognitive congruence, all minds pointing in the same direction. How do you achieve that? Well, well, why is that important? First, it's important because, you know, in sport, you know, we talk about marginal gains, you know, don't try to do one thing 100 better try to do a hundred things one percent better right if you've got a whole organization who are pointing in the same direction you've got much less wasted effort your 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 enemy is outside if you like your your aim is outside you're not ripping each other apart on, internally you're on the same team for the right reasons you pass the dinner party test you're proud of what you're doing other people might sign up you are literally creating value. And and I I sincerely believe that the more you create value on the inside, the more value is accrued from the outside. Um, that, that business for good is, is sort of a force for good, but it's a force for good business as well. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, 
avoiding, or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Yeah, the, the, the notion of values create value, I thoroughly subscribe to. The notion of doing good, though, is a little bit more complicated and probably... Mm is part of the problem because in this complexity of this messy human stuff, soft, I call essential skills, this is where many of these leaders probably say, well, I don't need that stuff. Look at me. I'm successful already. I have three houses and I don't need to taper, tamper with this sort of trendy purpose thing. And, and plus, Mm -hmm. I'm really not good at it. This idea of empathy. I, I don't have the time to listen to people who wax on or, or moan on about something or other. I just do your business. I'm paying you enough. Just do what I tell you to do. And, and it's not, there's, you know, stories, good Lord, that takes time. That actually means possibly being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, the comments of cowards, the, 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 the product of fear, I would say, that's largely psychologically. The, the inability to grow and to learn and develop, I would challenge that and a leader that came up with that kind of line. Listen, your business is full of psychopaths. You know, you know there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a joke somebody said, you know, the, there are so many of them. They're either in prison or they're in your office. You know, there's there's plenty around. There are plenty of uh, people who have achieved great things uh, with with because they have a lack of empathy. Absolutely, but we're not all wired like that. We're not sure. all wired like that. And and um, you know, you know, the interesting thing, you know, you talk about, you know, the tre- you know, in other words, there was sort of trendy. I, I don't think this is trendy at all. I think this is eternal. This is fundamental. This, this is Marcus Aurelius. This is Martin Luther King. This is JFK. You know, this is this is um, you know Julius Caesar. You know, see, the, you know, seizing the public's imagination. And the worst of it is, you know, James, that actually it's successful. It it, it and it's is. well, well, it is. Uh, uh, you know, there's a sort of exactly. You know, I'm successful anyway. I don't need to do this. Well, are you fully as successful as you might be? No, you know. If I can swear, this shit works. Exactly, it's it works. It changes heart. It captures hearts and it changes minds, and and it it inspires. It captures the spirit. You know, you talked about band of brothers. You know, the idea of esprit de corps. You know, the French side of you, the esprit de corps, right? It's the spirit of the group or the spirit of the body. You know, there is a smaller spiritual element to motivation and to leadership. You know, we are capturing the souls of human beings without being kind of an old hippie standing on the Glastonbury tour screaming at the heavens. It, it is part of, and we know that, we are, we are inspired and uplifted as human beings. And it is an essential part 
of what motivates us, of what gets us out of bed in the morning, of what help may, means that we go that extra mile for other people. Um, all of those aspects, I think, are massively important. And if you get it right, differentiating and and um, and success making, you know. So to to your to your notional cynic going, I've been really successful and I've got three houses. Well, maybe you could have six. <laughs> If that's what turns you on, you know. Hopefully, you'll start walking soon. Um, but the, 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 you mentioned another thing which resonated with another conversation I had with a, a, a very successful squash coach who, in fact, coached the Trinity College squash team in the United States and had a 252-match winning streak and 13 wow. national championships in a row. And, um, and, and one of his lessons learned over his career was less to look for the skill they had to be the skill but he wanted to have large character had, yeah. and, yeah. and to, to 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 recruit for character and i was like good lord you you mentioned earlier this idea of coaching for character mm. and in, mm. in education i think rugby is a sport that i think promotes this idea but in general it seems like the trend that i was using just now is the reverse it's, it's to sanitize, it's to remove hardship, it's to remove pain, which mm -hmm. is the elemental bonding experience, incorporated bonding experience, which helps you to have that esprit de corps, because in the corps is mm -hmm. the body. And the, the body. I, yeah, and having it in you, in the rituals, and uh, when you do gestures that are ritualized, these are formalized mm -hmm. gestures, you even when you're talking by yourself on the street on the phone, your other hand will be waxing on and, and complimenting what you're saying because that's how we talk. Yes. And these gestures yeah. absolutely reinforce our style of communication, our energy, our abilities to convince and in, in a storytelling mode. But we we feel like it's sort of becoming cardboard versions and in education, get rid of anything that's risky. Mm. And therefore, how do you build character without risk? Well, well, I, I, I think, you know, if we scroll back a little bit, you know, the, the first thing is uh, to your squash coach, you know, this capability and this character. And and I think it was John Wooden and I think um, Michael Jordan said something very similar that, you know, that talent will win you a game or two, but character will win tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Walsh, the coach of the San Francisco 49ers, talked about success as being um, cumulative character. You know, it's those small character decisions, uh, the small sacrifices, the small disciplines that accumulated leads to, to something. Of course, ethos means character. Ethos means character. It's the, Which it, you have it, in the it, book. The character and the characteristic uh, of an organization. So, um, and, you know, the, I, I, I think just to sort of break down, you know, some of those things, you know, I, I think certainly we're at the time where we sort of snowplow for our kids and we try to smooth out, you know, we, we, we try to smooth it out and we, um, but, but we only learn in the zone of discomfort is the truth. You know, it's like going to the gym, you've got to kind of break down muscle tissue before it'll build. And and that is one of the ways that we build character. Absolutely. And you look at we talked about military examples, Hell Week and the Navy SEALs. Uh, 
Mm. It's not about how well you swim. It's about will you keep swimming? You know, it, it's um, and and but the real or one of the real reasons for for Hell Week or selection and special forces or whatever is also, of course, is it creates incredibly strong bonds that band of brothers. You know, because shared adversity creates collective character. You know, and we know that when we've been through hard times, you know, sickness in the family or or setbacks or uh, whatever, you know, those are the moments that that make us or break us. And normally they they make us the kind of kintsugi thing, you know, smash a piece of pottery, make it more beautiful with the gold. You know, it's the it's it's the fixing that 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 makes it strong. And so. Um, but it, but I think coming back to a question, you know, if you apply this as a leader, what do you look? What 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 is character, and what does that, you know, how do you select for character? And that's not an easy thing, right? Um, but I think you need to start thinking in terms of sort of values and standards, in a way. Um, I, I, uh, rugby coach, um, uh, he called it the telltales. You know, do they leave their coffee after an interview? Do they leave their coffee on the table for you to pick up, or do they do something with it? You know, um, uh, do they? You know, do they? I mean, some people aren't so good at it. It's none of no behavior on its own is ever indicative of everything. But you know, do they return your calls on time? You know, you know, um, in do a they sports show up? group, do they, do they show, show up? up? Do, do they, they show up? Well. One way, metaphorically and actually, do they show up? You know, do they say what they do and do what they say? Um, you know, integrity and character is a is a is a, a big thing, and and integrity in terms of you know the way I outlined it in the book is certainly, you know, there's a pejorative idea or a kind of a a, a judgmental idea of what integrity is, which is around honesty and doing all of that. But actually, integrity, if you look at it on one way, is you know, my values and my actions are aligned. Well, my words and my actions are aligned. My values, my words and my actions are aligned. I am an integrated being. I have a oneness to me. And with that comes a lot of authenticity, comes a lot of presence. You're, you, you are what you say you are. There isn't a side to you. Now, you know, you don't need to be politically naive either. You don't have to blurt it all out, but you kind of want to have that that strong center. Um, and and I think again that comes from the, that self knowledge we were talking about, that sense of the explored life. And I, you know, I talk about the idea of kind of lead from within. You know, that unless you've really understood what it is you stand for, where you're going, and why it matters, the sort of holy trinity of culture, but I think also of of character. You know what a what are my roots? What do I stand for? What won't I stand for? You know, where do I stand on this? Am I going to kind of blow in the wind and be opportunistic? Well, you want to be agile, but maybe not opportunistic, you know? And and I think that comes from taking a certain sort of point of view, and that comes from uh, self-knowledge, and that leads to what others might call character, if you like. Uh, and it'll get you through the tough times, you know? it'll It'll align a group so i think it's usually powerful and important yeah i i fully agree i mean my my last book was called you lead and and the sort of the the subtext is you lead you and once you know how to lead yourself then the rest uh, can follow much easier 
Sure. And you, you know, you think about, you know, the idea of self-regulation. Well, regulation means to rule. It's regal, kingly. You know, it's about ruling our emotions. It's about leading ourselves first. Mm. You know, you have to be able to lead yourself first. And um, and particularly, you know, one of one of the pieces of work I've I've done in my life is kind of talking down premiership managers from what they really want to say on a Monday morning, you know, because what they really want to do is rip their heads off their players for not following the game plan. But that's not going to set them up for the game on Wednesday. You know, so they need to rule their emotion in one way or the other. We need to understand ourselves, be able to process for ourselves in order to, you know, the Viktor Frankl thing, that that gap between stimulus and response, that's our power. You know, and and if the stimulus just makes us react, which never tends to go very well, we defend or we deny or we denigrate or whatever our D word is of the time. Or do we respond in a way that is, as a leader, is our values what we stand for, the kind of ethos that, that we have? And can we, under pressure, respond rather than react? And I think that's a large part of character, you know, being able to respond, not react, to be able to not be thrown back on our kind of reptilian response, uh, but be able to step into the kind of the 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 being that we want to be in order to be a leader and and i think they're important questions and difficult questions you know personally difficult questions always we all have these challenges we're emotional beings and we're triggered easily but character means being able to weather adversity i think um in a way that aligns with who we want our best self to be if you like well, I certainly think we need to have more adversity brought back into education. I want to finish uh, yeah. just because we haven't had much chance to talk about your book, which is just a delicious book to read. If anyone hasn't read it, my God, go pick it up. Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. How did you come across this idea? I mean, everyone knows about the All Blacks, but the idea of writing this book, was it something personal? How did you get into uh, it? Well, it was... It, 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 it... I slightly stumbled into it. I, I did another book with a team called Mana. And Mana means um, kind of the spirit inside. And I worked with a photographer called Nick Danziger. And we managed to negotiate our way inside the All Blacks environment. I'd, I'd done a, a, a book many years before within the Australian Kangaroos, the rugby team, rugby league team. Um, with a similar kind of concept. And, and I was interested in doing that. And then, of course, I got to know the environment and I got to know that some of the people um, and the leaders and I kind of saw it coming together the work I did in a more corporate space um, with, the work, with the work that they were doing in that space and I realized uh, and I think it was also um, in my own life I had reasonably recently become a father at that point and so I was also that idea of legacy of course talk about life events um and and leadership and coaching um and and character and <clears throat> excuse me all of those questions <clears throat> all of those questions really started to congeal i guess or come together um as an idea for for 
uh, for a book. And I, I, I learned a lot from that experience, but I also learned a, that from that experience that a lot of what they knew, I knew in different domains. And what I became very interested in was what are the transferable principles between domains? I, I don't believe that much about analogies, you know, that I love the book, it doesn't make the boat go faster. And I love that metaphor, but it doesn't always apply in other in groups. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't. But, I, but I'm really interested in, you know, we all work in teams as in groups in one way or the other, either physical teams or virtual teams. And there's a there's a line from Tolstoy from Anna Karenina, the, the opening line, which I won't quote properly, but it's basically all happy families are happy for the same reason and all unhappy families are happy for, unhappy for their own reason. And I think that's the same with teams, you know, with groups, with all sorts of teams. There's plenty of ways to be unhappy as a team, to, to be dysfunctional. But really the principles behind great groups, high-performing groups, however you define high performance, those principles are relatively and roughly the same. And the value sets that come up across many different domains tend to be very, very similar. The, the expectations, the standards, the way of interacting uh, tend to be very much the same. So I'm, I'm really interested in those transferable principles. And I think I saw, I, it became just an emerging idea that, that crystallized into the book legacy. Well, for, for as being a rugby player, I, I tend to think rugby is a tremendous learning space and mm. better. And I give a, a qualification better than many other sports in terms of the types of education it brings to you. Last question for you, James, because time is what it is. Um, this notion of personal versus professional. So in a sport, it's kind of obviously closer to personal. Because you're sweating, mm. you're, you're you're getting naked in a shower with the boys, and you know so there's a sort of it's me in with warts mm. and all visible, and I might have pain. It's visible pain, and I might break an arm, and that's you know it's a personal issue as opposed to some cognitive dissonance or something like that. Yet uh, it seems that one of the one of the biggest challenges, and maybe one of the reasons why so many of the leaders don't become great leaders, is because they don't know each other, don't know themselves, and aren't prepared to dip into the true personal self, which includes my warts, my 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 badness, my perhaps evilness, and uh, and 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 do you think that that is the case? And do you think that? business should be more personal? Um, uh, you know, on, on that kind of lead from within principle, hell yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think leadership, you know, one of the key factors of leadership is courage. And one of the most difficult things to do is to take a good hard look at yourself, of course. But discomfort equals growth. You know, you to grow, you need to be prepared to step into that gap between where you're at and where you want to be. And that's an uncomfortable place to, to, to be. Um, and, and if you want to grow, now, you don't have to, but if you want to grow in your life, and I, and I think the purpose of, you know, if you take the kind of humanistic idea that we, we are driven towards self-actualization, that, that really we are part of a, it, it, you know, the happiest people are the people who are becoming what they become next, you know? 
um, that life really is a process of growth and learning and becoming, then there are going to be plateaus that are uncomfortable. Uh, and there are going to be, and, and, and there's a phrase I use, you know, if you're not, if you're not growing anywhere, you're not going anywhere. And it's, you know, you, you you look at it on the obvious kind of corporate sense and you go, a Kodak, you know, what's this digital business got to do with us? You know, they didn't grow. They didn't grow conceptually, morally, ethically, what it was, ethos-like, you know, in an ethos kind of way. And then, of course, they dis they disintegrated, really, relatively, as a business, you know, we're either changing, we're either changing forwards or we're or we're shriveling up and going backwards, really. I think as human beings, you know, that's what life is. Life is growth until you stop growing and you start. And so, you know, I think probably the it's a it's a personal question of um, you know, can you invest in yourself in a in a process as a leader, as a process of are you prepared to go the places? that are maybe difficult, maybe uncomfortable, maybe awkward, maybe shameful, you know, uh, in order to 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 move up to that next level, whatever that next level might be for you. And and I think they're important questions. I think they're important questions about life, you know, life and leadership, professional and personal, what's the difference in many ways? You know, Jung, Jung said, you know, we only change the world by changing ourselves first. If you want to change your outer circumstances, you want to change your inner conditions. And, and that's a, got to be a, a, you know, a dialogue with self, a Socratic dialogue with self in order to ask those questions and shine light on places of yourself that you, you, you may not otherwise go. And I, listen, I can't talk about it from a business leadership thing. I just think as a, from a, you know, well, I don't think I need to talk about it as a business thing. I think it's the old, the life unexamined and is uh, unexamined is a life half lived. And I think that was as true 2000 years ago or as true today as it was 2000 years ago. Um, uh, but it's not an easy road. The easy way is to say, oh, I'm fine. Thanks very much. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm keeping on doing. Well, that, that's but, easy um, until one day it breaks down. Well, it's easy until the until the road runs out. It's easy until until your partner leaves you because you haven't really changed. You're still the same. You haven't changed at all. You know, it, it's 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 easy until the digital revolution comes along and sweeps your business out from under you. You know, it's it's fine until your staff walk out on mass because you haven't really changed. Um, it's 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 fine until you get passed over for promotion because they 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 think you peaked and plateaued, you know, or it's or or you suddenly go, I'm doing the same life as I did ten years ago, and I'm bored and I'm restless and I don't know what to do with myself. You know, if you're not growing anywhere, you're not going anywhere, and and I think that's that's the the challenge. But I think I I you know I think surely that's the joy. Surely that's the that's the juice of life is I mean you know you mentioned it earlier that until you're 40 or 50 you know you're just going trying stuff out you know what better way to stay young when you are 40 or 50 or 60 than than to try shit out keep it keep trying keep experimenting don't be um 
uh, you know, look for your own self-actualization and write your own story out there on the world. And I, I think that individuation, another Jungian phrase, is so fundamental to, to a life well lived and a life that keeps, you know, sh you know, um, sort of shedding the shedding what isn't necessary anymore, you know, cutting the branches back so that new blooms come to, to use a cliche. Um, it's got to be the way forward, doesn't it? You know, and I, I think, you know, I, I work with a lot of coaches and you've obviously spoken to a lot of coaches, you know, coaches, it, it's really about character development and personal development. It's not skills development so much, you know, it's who are you? Who are you, what are you bringing? And these are really important questions, I think, of life and of leadership, of love, of culture, of organizational growth, of creating value, and wherever you're at, taking it to the next level. So perhaps in your question of that high-performance question, isn't high-performance about being able to kind of take it to the next level and the next level after that? You know, there's a commitment in, in the All Blacks, you know, to get better every day. You know, high-performing environments are, at their heart, learning environments. You know, the commitment is to get better every day. How can I be better? Um, the, 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 there's a lot of, the, there used to be certainly a lot of shame around the self-development space. Um, but, of course, every successful athlete, let's say, is committed to their self-development. That's what they do. The world's greatest athletes, most famous people, are absolutely committed to getting better every day. And I think we can hold ourselves back by thinking, oh, I'm fine, thanks, mate, I'm good. Well, we're going to finish there. Um, I just wanted to give one, two comments. First is this notion of individuation, but let's stop at hyper-individualization because mm. I think there's, there's a whole lot of people going overboard on how important I am. It's all about Yeah, me. it's a different concept, right? It's a different of concept. Course. Of course. Individ you know, Individualization is, you know, pick me, you know, look at me, you know, selfie, selfie, selfie stick. But individuation is, um, I think there's a Robert Louis Stevenson quote, it's becoming what you're capable of becoming. Mm, of course. I think I, each I, of I just, becoming you. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, you know, put that, just remind people that we're not talking sure, about sure. you, the individual, the star. And the, and the other, the, the second comment was this notion you mentioned doing good and, and how doing good is good for business. And my friend Giles Gibbons, that's, that's, his, that's his tagline for his company. Um, called good business, but mm. I I've tended to back away from doing good to doing better, and uh, you you just mentioned it now. You like all blacks mm. do do it a little bit be a little bit better every day. The idea of doing yeah. better is seems less political because doing good is necessarily mm. some kind of political statement. I'm doing mm. good for the world. I'm doing good for my society or my community. And and um, it's not always good for everybody. Mm. Well, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, and I, I think it's a. I think doing better is um, it, it's also it's more incremental. It's more achievable. You know, you can just do a little bit better every day. There's an exponential value that cumulative character comes from that. I think, um, and. Uh, I mean, I, I think probably the benefit of kind of, 
you know, doing good, if we put it in inverted commas for a moment, is um, is trying to make a positive contribution somewhere, somehow. Uh, now that, you, you know, I, I, I think I think the best way to think about that, though, sometimes is that it's, um, there's a great Pericles quote, which is, um, um, you know, our achievements aren't written on stone monuments, they're woven into the lives of others. And I've always loved that from that idea of what maybe legacy really is. And a phrase I'm I've 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 written for the book I'm writing at the moment is, you know, we kind of write our eulogy every day. You know, when 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 they when your eulogy gets written, they don't talk about your stone monuments very much. They might get a mention. Your CV doesn't come into it. Right? But your character does. You know, he or she was a kind man or woman. You know, they helped me when I needed help. You know, they, they, I, I always knew I could go to them if I had a problem. They brought, they made me feel good. Character stuff that's, that's remembered, that's most important. And, and that probably has the most kind of, of that butterfly effect, ripple effect in terms of the way that we, the impact we really have on the world. And, so you know, it's it's not a bad way to think. Well, how do how do I do better with what I've got, with the immediate, and 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 that comes down usually to the relationships that we have, um, trying to be a better human being. You know, the All Blacks say better people make better All Blacks. You know, but they make better squash players. You know, they make better better business leaders, team leaders, better friends, better partners, better lovers. You know. You know that 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 incremental do better rather than I'm going to do good. I yeah I I get that. I think I agree with that. Love that, James. On this, I mean, I I, I frankly could have gone on for a couple more hours. Loved this conversation with you, James. It was we rolled into the military and education and business and of course my love for rugby. How can somebody uh, follow your writings, James, contact you should they wish to hire you, get to speak or consult or coach, um, buy your book? What's the, what are the types of links I should get? Well, well the, book is called Leg the book is called Legacy. Um, I can be found with a pretty swift Google, I think, I hope. Uh, LinkedIn uh, tends to be a conduit. Um, uh, I've, I've got a book coming out, uh, I think, probably early. 2025 depending on uh how, how uh, my efforts over the next few months uh called ethos um character. uh and yeah character the character of of character and growth really the book is about well i, um, I suspect it, if you'll accept i will grab you for another discussion when ethos comes out. i would enjoy i would enjoy that i've enjoyed um this conversation I'd, I'd enjoy another one when the time's right splendid many thanks james many thanks thank you very much for for the conversation for the dialogue so a really heartfelt thanks for listening to this episode of the minter dialogue podcast if you like the show Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. As ever, ratings and reviews are the real currency of podcasts. And if you're really inspired, I'm accepting donations on patreon.com forward slash Minterdial. You'll find the show notes with over 2,100 blog posts on Minterdial.com on topics ranging from leadership to branding, tech and marketing tips. 
Check out my documentary film and books, including the last one, the second edition of Artificial Empathy, Putting Heart into Business and Artificial Intelligence that came out in April 2023. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.